<sighs> hey, it's Damon. Uh, I'm looking forward to bringing the show back and working on it to make sure that you guys get some new stories from adoptees from all over the country and around the world. Uh, but for right now, I got to beg your forgiveness and ask for a little bit of a break. I was going to bring the show back this week, but the end of 19 and the beginning of 2020 have been kind of rough. So I figured you'd appreciate knowing what's been going on just so that uh, you understand I try to be as transparent as possible, and my book certainly was an attempt at that. Uh, but as I've noticed with the podcasts and with people's books, you know, the person's life goes on and the story continues. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an update as to what's been going on for me. Uh, it's totally unscripted, so forgive me if I ramble. Uh, but just know that I'm begging your forgiveness as I take a break and I bring back the show probably in a week or two. So here's what's been happening. You probably have heard me talk about my mother, my adopted mother, having paranoid schizophrenia. I went to visit her back in November of 2019, and I was in town for my young cousin Camille's funeral. Uh, she's a beautiful young woman who unfortunately left us far too soon, but I'm a firm believer that she is in a better place because she was suffering mightily. But I took the trip to Missouri as an opportunity to stop in and see my mother because I hadn't seen her for years. And so I wanted to do a couple of things. I wanted to lay eyes on her, see what she looked like. How was she taking care of herself? Was she healthy? Was she eating? I wanted to see what her home looked like. Had she been hoarding or was she just you know, living her life day to day or, you know, what, what was the cleanliness of her home and, uh, and just generally spend some time with her and, and, and see how she's doing. Cause paranoid schizophrenia does not necessarily let you be very close with a person. They can say and do some, forgive my words, outlandish things, some of them hurtful. And, uh, it just doesn't make you want to be around the person and, and it's not their fault. That's, that's also part of what's hard. So at any rate, I went to see my mom in November of 2019. Uh, I took that time to introduce myself to some of the neighbors because I wanted them to know that there's somebody out there who loves her and cares about her. Even if they don't see me, I wanted them to have an outlet for someone to contact in case anything happened. Uh, unbeknownst to me in the background after I left, she lost her home. There was a, I met the new owner actually during this last week. There was a snowstorm in Missouri and this guy tells me the story that he got up one day and uh, there was an auction the next day after the snowstorm. He said, you know, I'm, I shouldn't go, but let me just go see what's happening with this particular auction. And he showed up and he was the only person to show up after this horrible inclement weather and he bought my mother's house. It sounds horrible at first, but when you meet this guy, you realize he was exactly the right person that I needed at this time. So he's this really kind, generous person named Kevin. And he bought my mother's home at auction. And the reason I tell you that is because what happened next... 
is a function of I benefited from his generosity. So what happened was Kevin bought the house. Um, and at the same time, in a different sort of piece of our life story, my wife's father was in the final days of a long battle with cancer. And it was pretty obvious that his passing was relatively imminent. And he would have good days and bad days. And there was blood transfusions. And, you know, he was a cardiologist. So he had a cadre of friends around him who were also doctors who were getting him the best care possible. But, you know, ultimately at, you know, he was in his 80s. He was 83. Um, you know, there was only so much fight left in him. And the disease had really metastasized throughout his body to the point where, you know, he's an older guy who just couldn't really fight anymore. So... In December, we went to Los Angeles for Christmas. We spent some time there, and uh, out of worry for her father, my wife Michelle and I flew home at the end of our Christmas break. She dropped her bags from L.A., immediately packed a bag for St. Vincent, and she left town, and she went to go be by her father's side for a week. St. Vincent's a small community. It's hard to get in and out of because they only just recently opened an international airport. And therefore, there aren't a lot of flight carriers who have a regularly scheduled flight. So she could get in on a Wednesday, get out on a Saturday. And from having gone across the country to St. Vincent, uh, it just didn't make sense to fly in on a Saturday, leave on a Wednesday. So she stayed for the week. She came home. Uh she was glad to have gotten what ended up being some final words from her father and some good closure. And so he lived after she left. He was still alive. She came home. We celebrated Seth's birthday. We took a little staycation and went to a hotel. Um, but that didn't give her any time at home to relax because we packed for a hotel. Uh, we came back from that hotel stay, and she immediately left for Los Angeles the next day. Uh, she's in the music industry. It was Grammy week, and she had an incre incredibly busy week ahead of her. And so she, she flew to Los Angeles, and her father died. And so she had to fly back. Again, she she flew back across the country from Los Angeles to D.C., dropped her bag, packed a bag for St. Vincent, and um, needless to say, Seth and I did not leave to meet her as we normally did. We canceled our flight. We stayed here, and we packed ourselves, and uh, Michelle brought her niece, Kayla, home from Los Angeles with her, and we all flew to St. Vincent together. She dropped a bag, packed a bag, and we left for a week. There was a massive state funeral in St. Vincent for my father-in-law, who was highly regarded in the community, both for his patriotism, his philanthropy, humanitarianism, and, uh, and being a local doctor who, you know, basically he had arisen to heights of 
local celebrity, but acted with a, a level of humility that made him, um, you know, a proud son of the country of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. But I should backtrack and tell you that before we left for St. Vincent, uh, I tracked down this foreclosure transaction that had happened with my mother. So thankfully back in November, when I went to see my mother's neighbors, I gave them my business cards and I said, look, here's my name and number. Call me if anything happens. And sure enough, Kevin had been by the house a couple of times and he was posting notices on her front door saying, you know, you need to vacate. And it wasn't clear to him that anyone actually lived in the house. She kept every single blind closed. She never turned on any lights. So it was hard to discern if anyone actually lived inside the house or not. Uh, her neighbor, Ray, called me and said, listen, I haven't seen your mom in a couple of days. And I went online to see about the status of her home and it's in foreclosure. This was the day before I was supposed to leave for Los Angeles, which ended up being two days before we left for St. Vincent. So I found out that my mother's home had been foreclosed upon immediately before departing for a week-long trip for a funeral out of the country, and I was in a panic. So I tracked down the new owner. I went to the state's website to verify that they had recorded a sale of my mother's home. I found the guy's name online. I tracked down their family farm. I called them, and he called me back. And he said, listen, you need to take care of your family. Go ahead to the funeral. Take care of your wife and your family, and then we'll take care of your mom when you get back. So that's exactly what I did. It gave me such solace to have relief from Kevin to go handle business that was already in progress as a new emergency arose. So I was able to go to St. Vincent and be supportive and be part of a funeral for a man whom I had known and respected for 20 years. But then I had to return, and it was my turn to drop a bag and leave the next day. So last Saturday, we got back from St. Vincent, and... I dropped my bag, packed a bag from Missouri, and I only was going to go there for a couple of days. Uh, my thought was that the eviction process was probably far enough along that, along that she was going to end up being extracted from her home. So I went to visit both my mother, and I talked to her about the foreclosure. I took some printouts of the sale of her home just to show her that there was evidence that this had actually happened, uh, because she's not online. She doesn't have any working computers. She doesn't have a working cell phone. I mean, she's completely reclusive as a result of what her paranoid schizophrenia has done to her mind. Um, her home had every single exterior door had, I'm not even kidding, four locks on it. Um, different sets of keys for every lock. I mean, it was just the kind of insight into someone's mind in the alternate reality that they're living in that was so hard to fathom. When when I when I went into her home, uh, she was, you know, disheveled, unkempt. 
and you know I cracked her refrigerator to see that every single item in there was wrapped in tinfoil, taped over to keep it closed, and then wrapped in a plastic bag. The stuff in her pantry was also similarly wrapped. The items underneath of her kitchen counter, you know, cleaning supplies, things like that, similarly wrapped. The things under her bathroom vanity, similarly wrapped. Just hard to see. So I spoke very candidly with her about her foreclosure, and she was adamant that her home had not been foreclosed on. She said, you know, if, I, if I've been foreclosed on, why am I still living in the house? And I'm thinking to myself, because you haven't left, obviously. So, but that's the logic that I get to live with that she didn't, wasn't able to engage with. So I left her that first day. The first conversation was futile, and she wasn't interested in, in being, starting to move. And so I also noticed just quickly that her left leg had been, she's a light-skinned woman. Her left leg, I could see her skin was very dark. It turned out that she was, have she had had a blood clot in her leg. And I saw that when I was there in November and I told her to get it taken care of and she never went to the doctor. So here I was almost two months later and it still had not been attended to. It was another indication of how challenged she was to uh, care for herself. So I visited her the second day. Oh, so I left her house that first day. I sat with my Aunt Bonnie at lunch, and we just lamented the space we found ourselves in and needing to get her out of that house. And I called Kevin, and he drove up, and he met us at lunchtime. And he sat down with his wife, Sandy, and they're just the nicest daggone people you ever want to meet. And they said, you know, just let's figure out how we can, you know, get her some care. My concern is not about getting into the house. My concern is for your mother's care. And it was just the most heartwarming thing uh, to see someone care about another human being. That he didn't know. So I went back the next day and... I stood before my mother and I was like, look, this foreclosure thing is happening for real. We've got to make a plan. And she was adamant. She's not foreclosed upon. Her finances are fine. She's got money in the bank. She got pissed with me and she told me, you know what? I I appreciate you coming here to see me, but you need to leave my house now. And she tried to push me. She She tried to get me to leave, but I didn't leave. I didn't budge. And she didn't make any move towards pushing me to leave. She just said I need to leave, but I just didn't do it. I refused because I knew that with four locks on every single door, if I left that house, there was no getting back in. And what could happen next would be extremely traumatic because someone would have to actually physically break down the door to get inside. And that's a horrible thing for anybody to live with. So I chose to stay there and stand my ground. But meantime, I'm texting with my Aunt Bonnie the entire time. And I told her I was in the house, and she says, the police are on the way, and so am I. And I was like, shit, this is really about to happen. So fire and EMS sirens are blaring you know, off in the distance, and I was like, oh boy, they're coming our way. This is, this is the moment. 
And sure enough, you could hear the massive engines of those big trucks pulling up out front. And mom went to the window and she said, what are they doing here? Are they here for me? And she opened the door, but she was physically standing in the door jam as if to say, you're not coming in. And so I showed myself in the background inside her home to fire an EMS. And I very kindly and jovially and lightly said, hey, you guys, it's really cold out there. Why don't you come on in? And that got them in the house. And my mom refused to give them her vital signs. And so I split off one of the EMS workers and I explained the entirety of the situation, the foreclosure, her her leg, which I didn't know at the time was blood clot, was a blood clot, et cetera, et cetera. I told them everything. They did over the over a period of about 45 minutes, they called in a bunch of different resources from a police officer to witness what was happening so that there was, you know, no so they did everything by the book to you know, calling in procedurally what they should do next. So they tested her. They asked her some basic questions. And one of those questions was how many quarters in a dollar? And she said seven. So they said, look, they said, They said, you can come with us voluntarily. You can go get on that gurney and we can walk out of here together. Excuse me. Or we can take you out with us. And she refused to go voluntarily. So the second option happened. And she shouted at them. And they strapped her down. And they took her out. And they took her to the hospital. An ER doc named Dr. Peterson it was extremely kind. And she said, you know, we need to make sure that we figure out what's wrong with her clinically before we move her to a treatment facility because they all want to make sure that they are doing what they are designated to do. They're focused on their focus, which is her psychiatric care. So Dr. Peterson uh, continued to be in touch with us throughout the day. And she let me know that my mother had a blood clot in her leg. Then they were going to recommend, uh, prescribe some medication for her. Since it had been her third cl blood clot throughout her life, they were going to make that medication, Eloquis, be a required daily medication. And then they were going to see about transferring her to a geriatric, psychiatric facility. And then... They made the transfer. Um, what that left me with was my mother's purse, 
and her keys to her house and full access to try to move things along in terms of this foreclosure because she was squatting and it was time to go. So I went back to the house and I started digging through everything and I was texting with Michelle, my wife, and she was like, look, you got to look inside of everything. Um, you don't know where her mind is and you know, you need to lift up the couch cushions and lift up the mattress. And sure enough, I lift up the mattress and there were three sort of reusable like grocery style bags in there tied in knots with mail in them. Uh, my mom has a post office box. So I, I created this vision in my mind of her going to the post office box, clearing her mail, putting it in these bags because it's easier to carry out of the post office. And then for whatever reason, she would tie up the bags and, and hide them. Some of the mail opened, others not. I found r repetitive letters from the mortgage company saying, uh, you know, you haven't paid your mortgage in this month, that month, the next month, for this series of months. And they said, you know, the foreclosure process is about to start. I found notes that had been on her front door that said, your home has been purchased at for, uh, uh, as a foreclosure. You need to leave. Um, notes from Kevin. And so it was all there. I found notes that she had written where she had called the mortgage company and said, that she wanted to get her mortgage reinstated. And so there were moments of lucidity in there, um, but that lucidity was completely overshadowed by the fact that she had taken these reusable bags and stuffed them under the mattress and in drawers and things along those lines. Um, so thankfully, Bonnie was able to recruit our family friend Natalie and some of my little cousins and Kevin brought his family, his wife Sandy, his son Gabriel, his Gabriel's wife Katie. They drove up from their family farm. They brought their flatbed truck and uh, their flatbed trailer. And we went through the process of packing up mom's home. And uh, I told them we had a little meeting at the front door. And I said, look, I know this is going to be really friggin' weird for you. You're in somebody else's house. You're going through their belongings. You don't know what's important. You know, just if you've got questions, come to me and ask me if we should keep this or not. But we have to get her out of here. So they packed up that house in must be eight hours. And uh, we're 99% packed with the exception of some trinkets and delicates and, you know, things that we have to wrap carefully. But all of my mom's belongings... Um, within 24 hours of her being extracted from her home, were taken to a storage unit around the corner. And uh, uh, everybody went home. And at the end of a long day, I went to get some Mexican food. <laughs> they served me a big-ass goblet of tequila. I'm telling you, if you saw this goblet, it was gigantic. It was like a witch's cauldron. I mean, it was just huge. <sighs> and so I got some nourishment and went back to my hotel, crashed out, got up the next day, went back to her home because I wanted to drive her Lexus ES350 for which she had a multi-year lease for too much money 
I wanted to drive it back to the Lexus dealership to voluntarily repossess it, relinquish the car, and begin the process of getting her out of her lease. So I drove the car back to Lexus, and of course they're in the business of sales. They're pushing cars out the door. They're not, you know, there's no return policy at their shop. So they were a little bit perplexed, but they worked through it with me. And um, in another act of kindness, Kevin, who was retired, said, why don't you let me come pick you up and I'll drive you back. And so I had already organized for him to come get me from Lexus. And so he drove up, drove me back to mom's house where my rental car was. And I spent the rest of the morning there going through papers. And uh, I left because the visitation at the facility she was at is only from 12 to 2. And Bonnie had already rescheduled some of her beautician appointments for some of her clients. So she was serving those clients on the day that I was leaving town. I had, I had changed my flight four times. I was going to leave on Tuesday morning i changed it to a tuesday afternoon then wednesday afternoon and finally thursday afternoon and so um i i went to see mom at the geriatric facility only minutes before it closed and it was fascinating they asked me to take off my jacket put my cell phone and my jacket in a locker and they gave me a key and so i basically just went back there in my my jeans and my shirt and um, I got on the other side of the door and the security guard sort of did the mag wand over my body to make sure I didn't have any contraband on me. And they walked me to the back and they brought mom to me. And, uh, you know, I didn't know this at the time, but she had been refusing to take the meds that they wanted to give her to stabilize her. So... She was basically in the same state mentally that she left me in when they extracted her from her home. She was not happy. She refused to believe in the foreclosure. She was pissed off that I had given her purse to her sister because she can't trust her sister, which is not true. Uh, she wondered where her keys were. She wondered where all of her belongings were. And when I told her that they were in storage, she was like, there's no storage place around the corner for me. You know, I mean, just adamantly denying all of what had transpired. Um, not just over the last couple of days, but months and months and months. She just couldn't fathom that the foreclosure was real. And, uh, you know, she said, you know, she was really disappointed in me. She said she thought she could trust me and she just, you know, she couldn't believe that I was in cahoots with all of these people around her. And it wasn't just my aunt. It was other people. Like she pointed out of her little, you know, psychiatric ward room to the person across the hall. And she said, I know you're working with him. And I know you're working with that guy up the hallway. And obviously those things aren't true. I don't know those people at all. So she gave me a hug. I asked her for a hug and she didn't move and then as I started to make my move toward the door she softened and she said so you're flying back today and I said yeah and she said well I guess I I guess I better give you a hug because I don't know when I'll ever see you again and 
you know, I walked out of that place after I got my hug, and I, I just reminded myself, this isn't her. It's not her fault. She doesn't mean any of this stuff. It's not personal. But it's still hard to watch. This shit ain't easy. It's, it's fucking tough. And now she's sitting there. And I'm back in my home. And I'm applying for guardianship. And I don't know what the future holds. Um, but I'm thankful for my friends and family who've supported me and Bonnie. I've got some very dear people to me, um, who've been amazing and, and every one of them knows who they are. Um, So now it's just one foot in front of the other. I'll see you guys next week when I post the next show. Talk to you later.